0: Welcome to the Bring Your Product Idea to Life podcast. This is the podcast for you if you're getting started selling products or if you'd like to create your own product to sell. I'm Vicky Weinberg, a product creation coach and Amazon expert. Every week, I share friendly, practical advice as well as inspirational stories from small businesses. Let's get started. Hello. So today on the podcast, I'm speaking to Harry Fell. So having run her own hotel for the past 20 years, Harry decided she did a new challenge. Having given up alcohol in 2019, she decided to launch No Low Cocktails and Bars, bringing choice for when people choose not to drink through non-alcoholic cocktail subscriptions and gift boxes and a mobile alcohol-free bar. So this was a really great conversation I had with Harry. Um, Harry offers, as I just mentioned, a subscription business for people who... Don't want to drink alcohol but want some really exciting drink choices so we spoke a lot about how she pulls together her drinks and the ingredients um the practicalities of running a um, subscription business I really hope you find this episode both interesting and inspiring and I would love now to introduce you to Harry so hi Harry thank you so much for being here thanks so much for having me oh you're welcome Can we start with you, please give an introduction to you, your business and what you sell?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, My name is Harry Fell and I'm the founder of Nolo Cocktails and Bars. And um, we sell non-alcoholic cocktail um, subscription and gift boxes. And then we also have a mobile horse box bar that we take to events and festivals um, and we do just non-alcoholic drinks and cocktails at the festivals with that.
0: Amazing. Thank you. And um, what what has inspired you to start Lolo Cocktails?
1: So, well, two things, really. First of all, I gave up drinking four and a half years ago. Um, at the time, there were some non-alcoholic options available, but they weren't massive. Um, And they were reasonably basic. So Seedlip has just come onto the market at that time. And then um, there was like Nozeco, which is bog standard, sparkling, non-alcoholic wine. And actually, it's not bad (laughs) and it's very cheap. Um, But now there is a lot more options out there. Um, And... That was part of my reasoning for doing it, that I wanted to be able to show people how to use the products that were available in different ways and more exciting ways than just combining them with tonic water. Um, And also in a way that meant that they could try the different things that were available without committing to buying large bottles and um, and then reducing waste and things like that as well. If they didn't like it, they have not bought a massive bottle. Um, and then the other reason for starting No Low Cocktails was that um, I've been running a hotel for the past 20 years and I fancied a new challenge um, and to do something a bit different as well. So that, that was my personal reason for looking to do something different.
0: Well, that's really interesting. Thank you. And I think you're right. When If you look back, even a few years ago, I don't think there were that many non-alcoholic options. You know, if you went to a bar or something, it was like have a Coke or a lemonade if you didn't want water, if you didn't want to have a a drink. But now it seems like everywhere you go, it's got lots more non-alcoholic, like interesting options on the menus.
1: Yeah, which is brilliant. And, you know, just providing people with that choice, I think it's really important. And it just means that you're more part of it as well. I think that's the thing that a lot of people worry about when they're giving up alcohol is that, you know, going to the pub then becomes a very different prospect and they don't feel part of it, and they want something that's like an adult drink rather than just something like a Diet Coke, but obviously without the alcohol in it. So the fact that there's so many beers now available, ciders, there's options for everything now.
0: And what's really nice about your boxes is that they contain ingredients, don't they, so that people can make their own non-alcoholic drinks at home, which is also quite fun, because it's not just giving someone a non-alcoholic beer or cider you're actually giving them recipes to create their own drinks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you get all of the ingredients that you need um, to make those drinks, whether that's the garnish, so dehydrated orange, um, for example, or whether it's all the different, you know, syrups, mixes, um, juices and non-alcoholic spirits. So you get everything you need to make the drinks and you get um, all of the ingredients to make at least two um, servings of three different cocktails every month.
0: That's amazing. That's yeah, that's that's actually that's actually a lot. Um and how are you creating the recipes for the cocktails, Harry? Is that from your like experience running the hotel and bar or how are you working out? Because yeah, I just find this sort of thing fascinating how you know what goes with what and how you actually put a drink together.
1: So um, but my starting point is normally the supplier's website if I'm working with a non-alcoholic spirit, and then trial and error. So I normally take, you know, I I can go through lots and lots of different variations, just trying to get the balance right on the ingredients. Um, Some, you know, I don't want to make all of the cocktails really sweet. Some people like sweet drinks, but then other people like really sour drinks. So it's just trying to get the balance right as well. And having at least sort of one that Might be sweeter, but then one that might be more sour, so that there's something hopefully in each box that everyone loves. Um, even if the other ones that they're, they're less keen on, it's a good way to try different things and realize what you do and you don't like as well.
0: Yeah, I guess that must be quite fun, actually. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's fun doing the recipes and trying to get the balance right. Um, and it's, yeah, I I do drink quite a lot of cocktails, <laughs> but at least they're non-alcoholic. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> not bad. Oh for yeah, you. no. I mean, I can be doing it, at, you know, ten o'clock in the morning, and it's fine. <laughs> I, I don't have to worry about it, um, and I can always drive afterwards, so <laughs> it's fine.
0: That is good. So you mentioned that you often like what you're getting from a supplier is the starting point. So how talk a little bit about that process? So do you how do you find suppliers? That you know to source your products from
1: um so in terms of uh, sourcing products what i've done so far is i've really tried to keep um it to small uk-based suppliers um so that's involved sort of going to industry events um networking within the non-alcoholic industry you know linkedin's a great place to to connect with people um and yeah and Yeah, search engines, social media, just trying to find people that way. Um, And there's quite a lot of small UK-based brands. Um, So I've really, I love championing small businesses. And I think when we all do well, we all do well. So uh, very much of that mindset. Um, And so far, I haven't really had to go further afield than the UK to find the suppliers that I'm working with.
0: That's brilliant. And are you working with the same suppliers for every box or are you trying to feature as many different ones as possible? I mean, there's, I guess that's, yeah, there's probably a bit of both, I imagine.
1: Um, yeah, so some suppliers will obviously have different, quite a few different products. Um, for example, Anon drinks, they do a bittersweet aperitif, they do a rum, they do an English garden, which is like Pimm's um, and um they do their own bottled Negroni as well. So with um, a company like that, um, obviously I've got several different boxes that I can do from the one company, but I I wouldn't do five months of Anon just because they've got five different products. So I'll choose one product um, and then concentrate on that for that month and then I'll choose a completely different supplier for the next month so I try and mix it up as much as possible so that people that are getting the subscription boxes get that range and variety as well
0: because yeah I guess it's also a nice way for your customers to discover new brands and new products
1: yeah definitely yeah because I mean for example sort of on the rums there's quite a lot of non-alcoholic rums and so try and spread them out so that it's not rum, a different rum every month. But um, actually, the rums are really good on the non-alcoholic side. They, all the suppliers seem to have done an amazing job with their rums.
0: That's really interesting. Because I'll be honest, I haven't tried many non-alcoholic drinks. Um, I think I've tried gin and cider. I think are the main ones, and the No whatever it's called, um, because every yeah. supermarket seems to do a version of that. So that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about the fact that there are now more non-alcoholic spirits.
1: Yeah, there, there's quite a wide range. Um, you've got a large supplier um, called Liars who are actually uh, based in Australia, and I think they've got a version of everything that is non that is alcoholic. They've got the non alcoholic version, um, so that can be quite a good place to start for people. But um, I actually haven't used Liars in any of my boxes, um, and that's because they're not UK based. But with the the rums are really good. Um, the gins, there's lots of different non-alcoholic gin varieties out there. Um, my personal favourite New London Light. They do three different gins and they're all lovely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's also some not very nice stuff out there. So I do do make sure whatever goes in my boxes that I personally like. Um, I appreciate we all have different tastes, but I certainly don't want to be sending something out that I don't enjoy.
0: Yeah, that, make, that makes total sense. You're right, actually. I've um, I've tried lots of you of these no secos and some of them are actually, some of them are nice and some of them can be just a bit, I don't know, sugary, which isn't, which again, isn't to my taste, but of course to somebody else, that might be lovely, but yeah, it is, it is hard, isn't it? So I guess it's great that you're trying to get a balance across the boxes and try, you know, different, different types of drinks, different flavors, and how far in advance are you having to plan out what goes into each one? Because you're, boxes are, um your subscription boxes are monthly aren't they
1: yeah so um at least a month in advance I'll know what I'm putting in the the next month's box um I'm trying to do it sort of on a quarterly basis sort of planned out at the beginning of the year what main spirit was going in each box um and the theme of each box but then sort of quarterly looking at actually okay I've got for example, Anon's rum, what am I going to do with it? What, what are going to be the, the three cocktails that we do um, with that? So trying to do that planning on a quarterly basis, but make sure that at least a month in advance, I know what I'm sending out the following month.
0: That makes sense. And I get, I know I'm asking lots of logistical questions, but I think for anyone interested in a subscription box model, I think it's just going to be really fascinating and interesting. Um, because actually, that's a good point, actually. So what... Um, What made you decide to to go down the subscription box route as opposed to selling? Because I know you have some boxes you can buy year round. That's correct, isn't it? On your website.
1: Yeah, so I've got gift boxes as well. It started off that I was just thinking I would just do subscription boxes. um, But actually I found I I launched, um, I did a really soft launch in November last year. Um, and I actually found that the one-off subscri- uh, boxes sold really well in the run-up to Christmas. So I was just doing a couple of small Christmas fairs. Um, and, you know, there's often times where maybe y- y- you want to gift something to somebody. They might be pregnant or doing dry January. Um, and actually there's there's quite a big market, I think, for, for one-off boxes. Um, but, it, yeah, it started with I was going to do it as a subscription model um, for people that you know want a choice when they're not drinking, um, and I think I just found somebody online. Actually, I was just wondering, I kind of thinking what other business I could do apart from the hotel, um, and this has worked out quite nicely actually because there's quite a large element of hospitality, and obviously I've got lots of bar experience, um, and as a result of launching Nolo, we now have expanded our range at the hotel as well of non-alcoholic cocktails and wines so it's it's kind of fitted into both both businesses really really nicely
0: yeah that makes total sense actually given your hospitality background um yeah that really that really does and as you said you probably have contacts as well for suppliers and
1: Yeah, yeah that i mean that definitely made it easier my original idea was that i thought i'd do cocktail boxes um but then actually um well, two thoughts that led me to do non-alcoholic, first of all, was just niching. And, you know, everybody says that it's better to niche and have your area of expertise. And then also the realisation that I don't drink. So if I was making new cocktails, I wouldn't be tasting them or, or I'd have to taste them and then spit it out again. Um, so um, it just made sense really to concentrate on the non-alcoholic market.
0: Yeah. And I think that is really a niche. I don't know. I mean, I have seen cocktail box subscriptions, but I don't. And also you can get, you know, the gin ones and the rum ones. And you can get subscription boxes, for all kinds of things. But yeah. am I right in thinking you're the only or at least among the few non-alcoholic cocktail boxes?
1: Um, I know of one other in the UK, um, but they're doing something slightly different and they're concentrating more on um, non-alcoholic spirits and mixers. So it's less of kind of the the cocktails, you know, less getting out the cocktail shaker or building um different ingredients into the cocktails. So there's is mm-hmm. more they, they they describe themselves as a non-alcoholic subscript the spirit subscription box. So that it is different.
0: Oh, so you've definitely found a niche there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah. Um, what is it that appealed to you about the subscription model because you know to me I feel like oh gosh it seems like hard work that you've got to every month think of you know what goes in and then presumably package the boxes every month and um yeah what was it that what was it that made you think oh actually subscription would be the way to go
1: um well I thought it would be quite a nice sort of like recurring revenue model that um you know once You know, provided obviously people are happy with their subscriptions, they they are welcome to cancel at any time, but you know, you'd hopefully keep the same person at least for a few months, if not longer, um, provided the quality is there on the boxes. And so it just seemed like in it it seemed like potentially an easier way rather than just selling one off boxes all the time. You know, you'd be looking for fewer new customers every month. Um, because whilst there's a churn obviously on subscription boxes you know as I say if you've got somebody for you know six to ten months um, that's easier than trying to find six to ten people to buy one-off boxes so th- that was the reason for trying the, the subscription model.
0: Yeah and that's, you're right that does make total sense because I mean while there, I guess there were always going to be a percentage of people who unsubscribe hopefully there'll be a higher percentage of people who sign up every month
1: yeah yeah exactly so yeah yeah obviously you the plan every month for a subscription business is to build your subscribers. you know you'll lose a few um but hopefully you're bringing in more than you're losing.
0: And logistically again because I've've got so many questions about <laughs> the logistics of this are you pulling together physically putting the boxes together yourself?
1: Yes so at the moment I'm not big enough to um pay anybody to help me so I'm doing all of the boxes myself. I do have a unit now um nearby that I use to for storage and also to to pack the boxes as well.
0: But that's really nice though because I guess it this is a this is a sort of thing where you can be doing it yourself now but you know in a couple of years it can be something that somebody else could be doing for you and you could just be focusing on the bits that you enjoy so the researching the drinks and and sourcing components and things like that
1: yeah yeah definitely I think it's just the same with any new business isn't it initially you do everything yourself and then you hope that you get big enough that you can start to outsource the bits that you don't enjoy I I think that's got to be everybody's reason for going into business for themselves yeah
0: absolutely but I think what's really good is it sounds like it's a model where somebody else could do it for you you're not creating something that can't be outsourced if you see what I mean. Yeah. Because depending on the kind of products you sell, you know, sometimes if you hand making, for example, obviously that's a lot harder to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, else. yeah. Um packing the boxes is is really easy. So you know, anybody can pack pack the boxes really. It's um curating the boxes, putting them together and then coming up with the recipes. That's that's the bits that I need to do. Yeah. But actually the putting the boxes together is quite simple
0: and manual. Yeah. So at some point along the line, hopefully that will be something that you won't be doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One day.
0: Okay. So yeah, how are you, um, something else I'm quite curious about, if you don't mind me asking, is how you're sort of getting the word out about your boxes and what you offer. Because it's, as you say, it's relatively niche. Do you think that in terms of marketing, does that make it easier or less easy?
1: Um, I think, in a way, it's easier because, um, you know, I accept that my product isn't for everybody. Um, so it's easier to niche down um, and know that you're not going to speak to everybody. I think if you've got a, a product where actually anybody could buy it, then I think. You would be more tempted to try lots of different marketing techniques, whereas actually, I'm only speaking to a, a small percentage of the population. Um, that that does make it easier. I mean, in terms of of marketing, it's something that I need to now concentrate more on. I've been um, working very much in my other business until the last couple of weeks, actually. So now is my time to really concentrate on NOLO. Um, it's taken longer than I thought to kind of take myself out of the other business. Um, and so now I need to concentrate on the marketing. The marketing I'll be doing is um, email marketing, which I think is incredibly effective. So anything to build my email list of subscribers. Um, and then social media, you know, I think for most of us is, a, is an absolute must uh, So mainly for me, that will probably be Facebook and Instagram. And then um, in the run up to Christmas, I'm doing lots of Christmas markets and I've got a pop up booked at John Lewis in uh, Bristol as well for a week. So, yeah, which is great. So I'm hoping, you know, all of that is just being visible, isn't it? Sort of, you know, and and trying to get where you think your customers will be. So, Absolutely. But I'm sure there's plenty
0: coming up with Christmas and then dry January, of course, as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So what I'll be selling at the Christmas fairs is and in John Lewis, because I've got that in November, is um I'll be selling um Christmas cocktail boxes, a dry January box, and a celebration box with New Year coming up. So, you know, all the, the fizzy, nice bubbly drinks.
0: <laughs> I think that sounds brilliant and so well thought through as well. And if you don't mind me asking, how, how do you get the um the slot in John Lewis because I've heard of a few small brands doing that recently, and I know John Lewis are real supporter of small businesses. So is that something you have to apply for in your local store, or is it something? Um,
1: I got it through the Great Brand Exchange. So I applied through the Great Brand Exchange. They do um, they they do John Lewis, they do Primark, and they do they've got the Country Living Christmas Fair, and they do a few others as well but they do all of the John Lewis ones. So I applied through them to do it. Um, And you can, you can say which John Lewis's you want to go to. Um, And Bristol for them is actually quite a new one. So they've only just started in Bristol Um, and that's my nearest John Lewis. So it kind of made sense to start there. It kind of minimizes the, the need to, well, minimizes the cost because I don't need to stay anywhere. I can come home every night.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. So that's the great brand exchange. If anyone wants to go and take a look and see what the opportunities are. Oh, that's brilliant. And I think coming back to your marketing, I do think that what's a real advantage, I think, is that, you know, you're really clear on who your customers are and, of course, who they aren't. yeah, just coming back to something you were saying before, I think that is definitely an advantage because if you're going what there's nothing wrong with buying wide by the way. lots of people have products that can appeal to a group of people. but I think that can, that can actually be really challenging in itself. If there's different groups of people who might buy your product or a real wide range, I definitely think you've got a really clear idea of who it is you're selling to and I think that must be really beneficial because you know exactly who you're talking to.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I think it makes it easier. I think, you know, it's very easy as small business owners to get overwhelmed by all the different things that we need to do. Um, and I think if you're speaking to lots of different people about your product, that probably is more overwhelming than just thinking, well, you know, there's just a small subsection of the population that I need to speak to. Um and different groups to go into on Facebook and, you know, promote your things. You know, I'm not going into lots of different groups. Um, I'm just going into ones that are very specific for the non-alcoholic and and non-drinkers and people looking to get sober. So it's very specific. And I think I think that does make it easier and less overwhelming.
0: Absolutely. And I actually, you just also mentioned Facebook groups. That's also a really good way, I guess, of, get, of getting your products out. If you have got a product like yours that's targeting a certain niche or a certain demographic, there are Facebook groups, everything aren't there. So it seems that getting yeah. into those groups, and of course, it's also a natural fit for you because you mentioned that you gave up drinking. So you're, I guess you're naturally part of that community
1: yeah. as well. Yeah.
0: So you're not just in there to sell. Presumably, you're also a member of that community because that's your community.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I think if you're in any Facebook groups, you can't be in there just to sell. You have to be adding value, you know, um, if people are in several non-alcoholic groups and, you know, people will be asking for advice either on, you know, what's the best red wine or what's, you know, how did everyone deal with this situation? So it's just making sure you're commenting on all of those and actually being a social member of the group as well as, promoting your own product
0: yeah that's what I mean because I feel like you're as you're part of that community you're part of the community anyway but if there's an opportunity if someone says oh I'm looking for a good gift for someone who's recently given up drinking or I don't know what I'm going to drink at new year presumably you can also talk about what you sell but in a really nice natural way because you're yeah you're part of that community well, thank you so much, Harry. I'm going to be linking to your website in the show notes. Everyone can see your boxes. i your one-off boxes as well as your subscriptions. Um, my final question before we finish, and I ask everybody this, is what is your number one piece of advice for other product creators?
1: Oh, wow. Okay, number one piece of advice is um, don't give up. I think it's really easy to um, be overwhelmed and put off when things start going wrong. It's going to take a while. Expect it to take a minimum, I would say, of one to two years before you are successful. And you have to be willing to put in that hard work to make it work. Um, but along the way, there will be lots of things that happen that make you feel that like you want to give up. And don't. <laughs> I always think. I always think back to you know you're three feet away from gold, and. Success lies at the point where most people will have already given up. So you've got to be the person that sticks at it the longest.
0: That's really good advice. Thank you. I think you're absolutely right that, yeah, I don't think, you know, there's always a little bit of adversity, a little bit of hardship. And I remember when you talked earlier about you thought you would have stepped away from your other business a bit sooner I think everything takes longer than you think it's going to as well and I think that's just really worth knowing because I think we all have these plans of oh I have this done by the end of the year or I'll be here in six months or whatever but I think just accepting that yet one it will be hard and two it will always invariably take longer yeah um, it's just really worth knowing so thank you that's a really that's a really really good reminder because things very rarely go the way we expect them to (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I think the overnight successes that you see that are out there, they're not overnight successes. They've worked for years to get to that point. Um, and it's just all you've seen is the successful bit. And I think that can be, you know, misleading. Not that they're trying to mislead us, but that the way that inevitably things work is we think, oh, they've come from nowhere and they're amazing. But actually we haven't seen the four or five years that they've been toiling away at their craft before. They've hit that success, so yeah, I think that's always true.
0: That is such a good reminder because it's really funny, isn't it? It, it, it almost as if we think someone—I don't know—as soon as someone or something comes into our consciousness into our world somehow we we think they've just appeared and, you know yeah. and without realizing that actually this product or this person could have been around for the past 10 years we just didn't hear of them but yeah. it's funny until someone comes into your universe somehow you just <laughs> you just assume they don't exist yeah. um, so that's a really good reminder because i think we're all definitely guilty of that of going oh that's come out of nowhere or oh i didn't know they were doing that so yeah you're right and i think The worst thing we can do is compare ourselves to anybody because, as you say, you just don't know the backstory. You don't know how long someone else has taken to get there, what they've gone through, and of course, the grass is always greener. It always looks like everyone else has got it figured out and yeah, it's done it much easier. But that's, I think, that's very rarely the actual case.
1: Yeah, it's always making sure that you're looking at how far you've come rather than we always look at how far we want to go, and we don't sometimes look backwards and think actually, you know, I have achieved quite a lot this year. It may not be as much as you set out to achieve. It may not have been as much as you wanted, but I'm sure that you've achieved a lot in that time. And so it's looking at that and saying, right, what have I achieved? What have I learned? And how can I take that forward now and move forward? That's such a lovely reminder. Thank you. And
0: I, I think that everyone should do that now. I think we're coming to the end of the podcast. I think everyone should take five minutes a cup of tea and think about <laughs> how far you've gone because you're that's a re- you're right because even if you think that oh I haven't done much you know you haven't stood still we've all achieved loads this you know by the time this goes out it'll be towards the end of the year and we all will have done loads this year and gone much yeah. further than we think so thank you yeah. that's such a lovely reminder and such a nice way to end thank you so much Harry
1: thank you very much for having me so really well. enjoyed it